can count on my friend Phyllis. She has the most positive attitude. Okay, if I sit down, can I still see over this? I think I can. All right. Welcome to you all. I'm glad we're getting back into the swing of this. Uh, I need this. I need an incentive to study. Isn't it a shame that I do? But I do. If you don't have something to study, something to go for, you know, we don't do it quite as well. This morning I want to talk to you uh, about is, uh, why I am anxious. <laughs> why I'm anxious. I would tell you guys, without a doubt, boy, I believe in God. And I would tell you this, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. How about you? I believe every word. I believe it is the inspired word of Almighty God. But now wait. This, this presents me with a, a conundrum because the Bible says that I am, you know this, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, here's what you do. You make your requests known to God. And then you know what's supposed to happen? Why, the peace that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a good verse? Okay. So how's that proven in your life? How good are you at doing that? Why, then, are there things that make me so doggone anxious? Because I got to tell you, they are there. What is there that's in me that sometimes overrides that presence, that Holy Spirit of God, and makes me vulnerable? to anxious, even tortured thoughts. Can you all identify with me with that? Okay, I know there's some positive people here. Nope, never had that problem at all. <sighs> but I do. And here we are at, at the edge of 2019, and somebody has said recently that it could be a time that we live in now that could be called the age of anxiety. It could be called the age of fear. Mm, don't like that name for 2019. There are so many unknowns. But, you know, I understand that we live in a world that is on the, always on the edge of war, that there's war all over the place right now. I understand that we have nuclear weapons. That's not where my anxiety is. But I can tell you what it is. It's about the moral decay that I see happening around me, the moral decay. That's what brings me to my knees in despair so much of the time. I woke up to news one morning last week that told me that the congressman were sworn in the day before, and it took six different holy books. Each religion represented, ignored the Bible, and swore on their own holy book. And there was a picture there of the holy Bible laying with the five other books. And I wanted to jump through that screen and pull the Bible out from that lineup. I was so, I was so, I just got on my knees and cried. Sacred laying there among abomination, side by side, and the news showing it, touting it, ways that lead to hell being treated as equal with the holy word of God. The news media love that diversity. They love that picture. We are a melting pot of religions, and they were bragging about it. Well, I was filled with anxiety. I don't know what else to call it. I, I trembled before God at our sacrilegious behavior. And I, I, just, I just cried before him, God, forgive us, forgive us. And in my own heart, I thought, how can he? <laughs> America used to know that there was only one God. We acknowledged it from the beginning. I don't need to go through that. But see, hands through two and a half centuries only were placed on the Holy Bible in the United States of America. For two and a half centuries, that was the only way, on the Holy Bible. And 
you know, for all the things that I have just now said to you, this is also a truth. In any gathering of citizens of the United States of America, other than gatherings such as where we are right now this morning, I would be screamed at for saying those truths. I would. And if I had any position of importance, media would take me down and I would be subjected to hatred that is from the pits of hell. If I had a job that was in the public, I would be out of a job for what I just now said to you. I'm much more at the anger of God. <laughs> in this political climate, I feel anxiety and I feel great sorrow, maybe sorrow more than anxiety. I'm wondering if it was any less worse than for David. I wonder, see, because I can go to those Psalms and I can feed. And I'm wondering, David, did you feel anything at all like I'm feeling today? Did he suffer anxiety? Well, I'll tell you what, he was running a kingdom. So imagine he had a little. And in that kingdom, there was a bit of idolatry there, but there was also idolatry all around him in the other nations, and he was warring against those nations. The state of the nation there was pretty pitiful, I imagine he would think, because it was one war after another. How about his domestic life? Well, his wives and concubines are continually at each other and currying for his favor. Too many wives to try to please. Can you imagine that? What about his sons? Well, they were rebelling. Well, he could be a good father to his sons. Surely his sons would love him, but they seemed to hate him. There was jealousy among those sons. Who's going to get to do what? Who's daddy going to pay attention to? Oh, what about fear for the future? Well, David could look around and see that there was rising rebellion, and there was rebellion in the trips, and in a little while, his son Absalom's going to be there to say, guys, come and follow me, and the majority is going to follow his son. You think David's had some anxiety from all those things I've just now said to you? He sure did. So many of his psalms start in desperation, but almost without exception, they end with declarations of confidence in God. And I think they were sincere. You know, I have some friends who will say all of these negative things, and at the end they'll say, but, you know, our God's got this, and that's supposed to wipe out all the negative that they just said. Does anybody identify with, what, with that? And I have done it myself, stating the things that are, and then I say, but I know God's got control of this, and somehow that's supposed to make everything else I said right. Well, David, I think, spent enough time at the, after his declarations of the problems of saying, but my God, my God, my God, over and over till I believe he understood it and he meant it. And I think it's interesting that Psalm 139 reverses it. He starts out talking about how God is watching over every bit of his life from beginning to end. He says, I can't count how many times a day the Lord is thinking about me. He says, wherever I go, there he is. Whatever I'm doing, there he is. But at the end of the psalm, he shows his vulnerability. Surprisingly, he says it like this. He said, God, would you search me? And would you know what's in my heart? Would you test me and try my anxious thoughts? He admitted it, my anxious thoughts. And then, God, why don't you just point out in me anything that offends you and then lead me along those paths of righteousness, the paths of everlasting life. David is saying, God, I've got trouble in my, in my heart, and I need you to get after me and show me the way of righteousness. David wasn't just going to say, but I know God's got it, and go on. He said, God, come on, let's do it. Let's do a work here. So why do we have anxious thoughts? Well, let me tell you. We've got news shouting at us 24-7 now. We don't need that much news. 
There are, they're using scare tactics and exaggeration. Why? To keep us watching. Oh, did you hear what he said this morning? Got to find out this afternoon. News is designed to make us anxious and to get us back. David came to a place where he said, what is happening to me out there isn't nearly as a big deal as what's happening to me in here, in my head and in my heart. God, this is where we got to work this thing out. My brain is my anxious thoughts. And David was saying, I know you are continually in my life planning for good. You've got this. The problem is the way I am thinking, God, ask this to yourself. Am I allowing the enemy to traffic in my mind to make it his playground? Am I allowing that? Because we say, God loves me. God's watching out for me. We know it, but I have anxiety. Well, don't you think maybe that I should stop and ask God if there is some ways in me that's making me vulnerable to Satan's tender caresses? Pain and loss are part of life, yes. But it's not God's plan for us to live anxious. That's not the way he wants us to live. See if this is in, in your part of your problem. See, we run to God to get his answers. But we won't stay long enough to find out his answers. Because I can get on my knees and unload. God, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got, God, you need to take care of it, and I'm up and gone. That's not the way this must be done. And David knew that. We've got to stay long enough to hear from God. We don't need to get off our knees before we have what God wants to give us. Well, what is God going to do? Well, first of all, I'm going to pour out these things to him. I've done all the talking. Now he needs to do some talking. And how does he do that? Through his spirit within my heart and through his word. And I stay. I get that Bible on my bench in front of, in front of him. And after I've talked with him, then I can find usually scriptures that I know apply. But many times I don't know a scripture that's going to deal with what I've got going. And you know what I found out? I wonder if you all have trouble believing this. I can open that word and let my eyes fall up and down and stop somewhere and begin to read it, and God will begin to speak from wherever I have opened it. His word is like that. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And I don't know whether he's guiding me to those things or whether his word is just so full of truth that I find it on every page. But there are answers for me. I don't get it if I don't stay. I can get up with the same problems I got down with. All I've done is just tell God about it. So will you, will you do some, a self-check with me today? It's a new year. I, I took notes on a Stephen Furtick sermon to help me check myself because that's what he was talking about. He said, what are you full of? Well, you've got to check your intake if you want to know what you're full of. What am I allowing in? Stephen Furtick said there's a new feature on your phone to help you with anxiety. I wish I had mine up here. He said his kids so, showed him this. He got a new iPhone, and he said, I want to show you this feature. And he reached up to the side, and he said, there's this little button on the side. You push it in, and you hold it. He said it makes an amazing difference to the anxiety that's in your life. Just push it in and hold it. That few seconds, you would be surprised at how many anxieties you would eliminate. We live in a time of too much, too doggone much, too much info. You're praying for the peace of God, but your brain's full. I don't think I turned my phone off. Don't ring now, please. <laughs> 
I always do, but I was late this morning. My glasses, my phone. Okay. All right. So here's, here's the deal. We are not designed to have the entirety of the whole human race busing in your back pocket or in your purse or laying on the kitchen table demanding your attention. Buzz, buzz, got to go check, got to go check all day long. We don't have to know everything about everybody else. Of course, we are freaking out. The devil's got this shock collar on us, and we don't even know it. Buzz, buzz, buzz. And let's say that you have a good 20-minute devotion in the morning, maybe 30 minutes, you know, if you're really good. And we take that 20 minutes of inspiration and lay it down beside the 12 hours a day of media one way or another. How does that add up? How can we have peace if we don't make a place for it? You know, there are some things that make darkness enter you, and I bet you know what they are. I bet you know. Why do we allow it? And why go back experience it tomorrow if you've experienced it today? Noise all day long. We have faith that we don't feed. And then we can't access our strength that comes into our lives when we got Jesus. It's blocked off. I wonder what it would look like if we kept a thought log, oh my, of our thoughts all day long. And then we'd look at them of the night and see. We open the door to junk let it in, and then we might even pray the Lord's Prayer, that, that model prayer, I, I should call it. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's not leading us where we've been going. And then we ask him to deliver us. If you're loading your mind with a million things that does not edify God and shouldn't even be in your mind at all, understand this is a sick cycle. It's not well. There are people that drain your faith. You know who they are. Can't you limit their influence? There are things that drain your faith. You ever been on a Netflix binge? Find something you like so much, oh, got to see the next one and the next one and the next one. And how about this? Do you watch what would make you squirm if you realize that the Holy Spirit is inside of you watching every single thing you're watching? Have you gotten so used to hearing, oh, my God, I don't even like to say that, that it doesn't phase you anymore. It still goes through me like a knife. And I know people say, I don't mean anything by it. I know his name's holy. I know that. But filled with the Holy Spirit, with that holiness there inside of us, how can we hear his holy name spoken with profanity and not turn the blame thing off, not get away from it? How can you continue to sit there? Maybe you used to squirm, but now you just say, oh, well, guys, it's the way it is today. I just ignore it. No, we're not ignoring it. We're taking it in. Aren't there some things that should just be taboo? Aren't there? God does not wink at sexual perversion. He doesn't wink at adultery just because now every TV program you watch it is happening and your children are learning that this is cool. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? It's within you. It's what you have of God inside of you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God with that body. Don't use it as a dumping ground for Satan's junk. We have to deal with this, guys, as Christian women, because the world is full. And it's out there everywhere we look. 
God would be glad to point it out if we would ask really wanting to know. If we are weak in battle, there is a reason. And one of the reasons is lots of us just lots of times we don't really want to deal with it. We'd rather not think about it because then I'd have to change some stuff. My family likes to do this and I'm not comfortable with it. And I don't want to upset the family, whatever our reasons. But here's what David said. Search me, O oh God. Test my anxious thoughts. Point out in me. What if we let God filter? What if we gave him some time to do it? Go ahead, Lord. Show me what is displeasing to you. Don't you think he would? He would indeed. How much is a little ungodliness, even if it's just a little, how much is a little ungodliness worth to you in your Christian life? Just let me keep this. Okay, oh God. I'll try to straighten up everything else, but let me keep this. Listen. God has entrusted you with his life in you. He asks you to live holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. And you say, hey, nobody can do that. Oh, yes, we can. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy means set apart, pulled out, pulled out from the midst of all this. Do you see yourself set apart? Be holy. So I ask you, and I ask myself, has he filled you with his salvation and you're still nibbling on husks? Just can't let them go. You know what husks are. If I could ask you and we were honest, I imagine that most of us in here are dealing with many of the very same things. If we would practice his presence, God, you're in me. God, you're watching me. God, you're ever with me. We change some things. If we ever really tasted to see what joy there is in dwelling in his presence, I don't think we'd try to be like the world anymore. David fell on his face. He got his heart. See, David sinned. We know that. But you know what he'd do afterwards? Get on his face. We just had rec recording of him being there seven days. He didn't get up after 10 minutes. Seven days. He got on his face. He got before God. He got right. He got up, and he took off again. Just loving him, just singing to him, just practicing the presence of God. He lived his life before the face of God. Could we do that too? If on that day God could say of you, let me use somebody in here. <laughs> Ellen, you're tough-skinned. She won't get mad at me no matter what I do, <laughs> I think. What did he say? Yeah, God sees Ellen coming and he says, you know, she always was a bit of a mess. But you know, she's always just moving closer and closer loving me more and more with each passing year. And in her, I am well pleased. Don't you want to hear that? We know we are not where we want to be, but don't we want to be closer and closer and closer to what he's wanting as the years go by? All right. Would you stand with me, please? Loretta, we need prayer. Will you just pray for this group? Please.